of Toronto Maple Leafs resume play tonight against the, the latest challenger to enter the ring. I don't want to do too much on this because I feel like we do this every time the Leafs face an opponent, which is we set it up like the stakes are critical. Yeah, the Jets are the last hope in terms of regular season pushing of the Toronto Maple Leafs for that number one spot. And the awkward part is... Who hates the Jets? They're kind of the one team in this division where if you're a Leafs fan, you're not you got zero rivalry. There's like no stakes here. Everyone was happy for the Jets. I cried when they got their team back. Cried. Cried watching people of Winnipeg get their team back. I thought it was amazing. Who doesn't root for them? Who doesn't kind of like the Jets? If you're a Leafs fan and you had to, you know, pick another Canadian franchise that you would root for. You just have to do it. You're not going to pick the Jets? Of course you are. They've got likable players. It's a good team. The only thing, I guess, that could give you a little bit of, uh, I don't know, sports hate is that you're going to see Pierre-Luc Dubois, and he's directly responsible for the Leafs not making the playoffs last season. So there's that. And the second part is, even if the Jets win two of three, I think there's still a couple of points back of the Leafs with and some games, games in hand. hand. I think five points back of the Leafs with two games in hand. And like, guess what happens to the Leafs after this? They get to play the other drags. Right. <laughs> right. I just, it's not, it's not quite like the Oilers situation <laughs> right. where they could actually pass them. It's more of a, hey, well, if they win, they sweep this series, then, and they're not going to sweep this series. That's kind of established with this Leafs team. So, I want to be more worked up for this than I think I am. I care about how the Leafs measure up. Absolutely, I do. I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. But where I'm at with it is the Jets and the Habs are going to be the Leafs' two toughest outs as of right now. And if the Jets get walloped, then it's pretty clear to me that the only team that you sort of don't want to face in the first round is Montreal, just based on the matchup. But again, Toronto should win. Yeah, and again, Montreal lost in Vancouver last night. So yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, but I'm I'm looking at it more of just exactly how they match up against the Leafs, not who I think has the most talent. The most talent is Edmonton. Yeah, you don't have to tell me that the Jets are a sympathetic franchise. My father is a former Winnipeg Jets season ticket holder. It's my home city. Winnipeg, Manitoba. It says it right on my birth certificate. So me as a Western Canadian, I absolutely have a piece of my heart dedicated to the Winnipeg Jets. Have a jersey with the NS name on the back, which is kind of lame, but yeah, I do. I have one. (laughs) Why should I stop? I'm not ready for this in the morning. I just, you make my stomach turn. (laughs) The bigger story going into tonight is Matthews admitted this. Still, uh, still needed to progress a bit, but um, you know, hopefully, we got this week here and we got some rest coming up next week. So hopefully, it just progresses throughout and uh, and just continues to uh, to feel better. But uh, I definitely like to uh, like to see it heal. But I mean, I think I'm still trying to find the find my rhythm for sure uh, coming back. So, like I said before, like these games come back, uh, you know, you're playing quick every other day and stuff. So you miss even a week. Uh, I mean, you're missing three, four games. And, you know, you're always kind of playing catch-up. So I uh, just trying to get uh, – kind of find my rhythm back. I think uh, physically uh, my legs and lungs and everything felt fine. Uh, I think it's just kind of getting my timing back. So a couple things from this. It looked pretty clear the wrist wasn't all the way healthy. It's something that I mentioned to you 
a little while back. You kind of dismissed it. That's okay. That's pretty classic for this show, that I have something right and you don't. But now I kind of wonder how he is valuing these Jets games because, okay, there's some truth to what he said about some rest coming up here. Between, I think, Sunday, March 14th, I think they have five days off. They don't play until they have, so they so they play Sunday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday. They got the Jets and and Senators. Then they their next game is Friday, and then they so, play Friday, Saturday, and their next game is until Thursday. So part of me is looking at it, going, "Okay, hey, listen, you're right. If you can just get here, you will have some time to heal it." My only question would be, what is the risk of re-aggravation here? Because it's a risk. I would think that it's fairly high. And so why not just take advantage of all of this time and get it completely right? Like if he's saying it's a rhythm thing, whatever, fine. Like keep playing. And I, I just – I was actually more troubled by Keith. Keith said this. I don't have the audio, but he just said, oh, Lance has it. Lance, you want to just play Keith and I won't read him? Here, this is what Sheldon Keith had to say about it. Well, it's clear that it affects his shot. You know, we've moved him around on the power play as a result of that. Uh, he's, not, he's not as comfortable in his shooting. But I think he, he's shown that he's, he's very good in a lot of other areas. Doesn't seem to be affecting his ability to handle the puck or pass the puck. Um, you know, so he's dealing with a couple of things. He's dealing with the, the mental effect that, you know, not being 100% himself has on his game. And then the fact he's missed time. You know, when you miss time, you lose your rhythm and, and throws you off a little bit. Yeah, that's a problem. And I mean, he we said saw it. it's clear. It's clear yeah. it affects his shot. That's troubling to me because here's the thing: of course, he can affect the game in other ways, but uh, the shot is what make Austin Matthews Austin Matthews. Those eighteen right? like, goals are like, yeah, that's because of what? Because of yeah. the other things? I mean, part yeah. of it's the other things. I I seem to remember quite a few of them where it was like taking the offside one timer. On the power play, you're saying that that's not part of his game anymore for the time being? That seems like a problem. And again, yeah, you're right. There is a danger area of getting into the playing of doctor. But okay, I believe you when you say he can't re-aggravate it just playing. What happens if the same thing happens where, you know, he's tra tracking a puck down behind the boards and goes awkwardly into it and jams it again? Like that's, all, that's an, a, a danger anytime you're playing. But if you're already dealing with some soreness in that area isn't that going to make it worse um i want to see austin matthews play so I, i'm conflicted in that way but you just said it man the standings are, it's not do or die that the the, the the idea of them falling out of first i think basically for the rest of the season is done so mm -hmm. you you can't afford to how great is it that you do have such few games coming up uh if you rest him now you can basically give him what two weeks yeah, for the price week. of one yeah, you get an extra yeah. week yeah, why why not do it? And the the, the whole idea of fifty uh, goals is obviously well behind you. So that even personal success stuff, he still leads the NHL in goals, and you want to give him the Rocket Richard Trophy. I get that, but clearly the the season is about more than Austin Matthews scoring as many goals as possible. I if it's affecting him in this way, it is a little bit of a head scratcher. Got to say, obviously Austin Matthews cares about leading the NHL in goals, I don't think he cares whatsoever compared to winning. No. Like, duh, right? I, I think that if you told him, hey, you're going to be the con uh, the contributor you normally are throughout the playoffs and you guys are going to win a cup and you get no more points in a regular season, he'd sign up for that deal in a heartbeat. My, I, I guess 
them admitting this publicly makes me feel actually a lot more comforted that it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Because they're saying, hey, it's affecting them. Hey, it's a mental thing. Hey, it's not 100%. But there's no way that you come out publicly and say, hey, this guy's battling through injuries through what is now going to be largely a meaningless regular season in, in an actual all-in year. And all of a sudden, game two against the Jets, he re-aggravates it and he has to miss a month. And, the sh- you know, then he's really out of a rhythm. So... I don't, I don't, I don't see it as a huge deal, but it's definitely on the radar of now. Every time Austin Matthews takes a shot, every Leafs fan is going to be looking at it through a completely different lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and every time they go a game without a power play goal, and he's yeah. playing on the left side instead of the right side on the one time side, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to also scratch your head a little bit. Oh, I forget if the... No, the Sabres... There's no way the Sabres were on your list of sad sack franchises, right? Hopeless franchises. They certainly... I didn't think you could be this hopeless with Jack Eichel. And... Yeah. Like... (sighs) They absolutely You certainly can't be hopeless with Dylan Cousins. Yeah, (laughs) sure, right. At least he'll punch some faces. Um, But yeah, no, they are skyrocketing up the rankings. Like, you had to redo those things today... Where are they? Because Jack Eichel, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, Elliot Friedman reporting Jack Eichel uh, with uh, what an upper body injury, but there are rumblings it could be a while. He's not going to play tonight with an upper body injury. We'll see where this goes as there are rumblings Eichel could be out longer term, no clarification at this time. Well, since you brought it up, I'll make you the case as to why they're not in the hopeless rankings. They are from the standpoint of it really seems as though ownership there is a real problem, which is odd because the Pagulas got a lot of success out of the Bills this past year. But I think that the Sabres are closer to Terry's heart and harder for him to separate. That's what I've been told. That's what's out there. Um, You can't be that hopeless when you, A, have Rasmus Dahlin, B, you have Dylan Cousins, who is legit, 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 and see when, even when you have Jack Eichel and your team has been this poor, if they decide to trade Jack Eichel, you know, you're getting back an all-time haul from somebody. You never really win those trades, but at least it allows you another opportunity to reset this franchise and give it another go. Like, they trade Stahl, they trade Hall, and then potentially entertain the, the Eichel deal. That's just such a way better starting point than the other franchises that we outlined in the hopeless franchise draft ranking. You know who is there who's off the list, though? Because I have it. Hornets. Oh, yeah. Had the Hornets on the hopeless franchise ranking. They were number one. No, they weren't. Yes, they were. No, they weren't. Who was number one? Detroit Lions. Oh. There were two, then? They were four. Oh, okay. They were behind the Detroit Pistons as well. There was two Detroit teams ahead of them. Ouch. That stinks. That's uh, not what you want to see. But, yeah, I don't appreciate you throwing out what you think are the rankings when they're not your rankings, sir, with such conviction. I like, I got I to tell Yeah, I know. Well, when you're trying to remember, maybe you don't just say, like, I know. That's kind of the point. You no? had the Angels, too? Yeah. No, I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I have no idea. No Clearly. remembrance of uh, of yeah the rankings whatsoever. So yeah, hopeless franchise rankings. You gotta actually. Sorry, I'm looking at it right now. Pirates were one. Okay. Yeah, Pirates, Lions, Pistons, Hornets, 
uh, calves. And then Orioles, Sharks, kind of tough. Jags, Bengals, Senators. Hornets are completely off the list. You got LaMelo Ball. You're gone. I, I can't wait to update this next year, but I had the Knicks there too. Also, gone. Not hopeless whatsoever. Brian Windhorst is talking about them getting a star. There's all kinds of optimism. Uh, standby Pirates at one. Pirates at one is a fine choice. Lions right behind them, fine choice. Cavaliers, not sure where you're going. Detroit Pistons, not sure where you're going. Uh, Methinks you'll be on the list next year as well. So you're not going anywhere. But, yeah, Charlotte Hornets, I'm sorry to your fans. I am truly, truly apologetic to Michael Jordan, who had this thing planned out all along. You and LeVar Ball, you you got it all figured out. But, yeah, um, I didn't have the Sabres on the list. Maybe I will next year. I don't know. The one thing that works against them badly is that Jeff Skinner contract that everybody knew was bad the second he signed it and they had no choice and they were Buffalo and they said, okay, we got to do this thing. Uh, I think he, like it's, it was an eight-year $72 million deal. Mm. Yikes. Yeah, no, it's $6 million a year, right? Like in these in the press box. Or is it eight? Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, that's a $9 million cap hit, sir, for those of you trying to do uh, and portray themselves as mathletes. Um, I mean, I'm not the one who says he's a mathlete, but uh, he's not a free agent until 2027. Like, that doesn't even seem like a real year yet. <laughs> You're right. I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, yeah. 2027, you say. That's yeah. a thing that eventually will happen to us? Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe by that time, the Sabres will have different mm-hmm. ownership. Yeah. I don't know. The, the, you're right. The, Boy, I'm, they're in year I've two read, of the deal. I've read and heard the same thing about the Pagulas, obviously, in their mm-hmm. relationship with the Bills as opposed to their relationship with the Sabres. Mm-hmm. And why it's gone so well for the Bills is the same reason it's gone well for every single mm-hmm. professional sports team owner. And, yeah, mm-hmm. listen, Jerry Jones, the same applies to you now, obviously. Your best chance as a billionaire, obviously a success in many different endeavors, is do what you know. And what you know is probably not pro sports. It's giving people money who do know and putting them in position to succeed. You did that with the Bills. You can't keep your grubby little fingers off the Sabres, and as a result, you're right in the top five. Okay, but uh, I get it. You, you spend a ton of money on a team. You give so much of a crap. You want them to do well. You know you're smart. You meet some people that are within your organization that you hire, and you go, hey, listen, I know I'm smarter than this guy, so how can I not apply some of my business acumen to this organization? But then how are these owners not smart enough to look across the aisle and see other owners with grubby fingers on the, on the pie and try to get them all in there and try to be cooking things up and not look at them and say, well, that looks dumb. What are you doing over there? Like he's in New York. I know. Yeah. No. The I know. king of this is down the street. Right. Yeah. You like you have to know. You have to know. I don't get it, but I here's the thing though. Here's what I do relate to. I know that if it was my money, right? I would be doing the same thing. Look at me. Look at what I just did with stocks, buddy. Look at what I just did with stocks. I basically said to my financial advisor, hey, know you've been doing it your whole life. Thanks, but no thanks. I'll take it from here. And guess what I did? I lost a ton of cash. Great. Great job by me. Uh, Our next guest is absolutely taken off. 
Uh, we met him a couple of years ago. Uh, thought that he was going to sign with this team. Went out and did his own thing. Again, podcast is blowing up. I think they're 10 episodes deep. It's uh, Shane O'Brien, former NHL defenseman and co-host of Missing Curfew with uh, Scotty Upshaw and Jimmy Hayes. Uh, a couple of former NHLers. Shane, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, boys. How you doing? Thanks for having me. And uh, I feel your pain with the stock market. I've been taking it on the chin the last couple of weeks yeah. as well. So I, yeah. I feel where you're coming from, buddy. Yeah, no, it's uh, not great. And again, I'm just like, I'm sitting here with all my acumen. Like, don't worry. It, uh, it'll go up. I haven't lost anything until you sell it. Like, you have to say real dumb guy things that sound smart to yourself to feel okay about it. That's, that's where I'm at. Just pleading, pleading with myself. Exactly. I'm in the same boat right now. So, yeah, man, uh, you got this podcast. Your studio looks great. You just got Timu. Guys are riding high. How did this thing come about? Like, um, was this always the plan for you? I, I, like, I know you'd been interested in media for a while. Like, I think that we met you. You came by our studios, and I think we talked about old Halloween parties, and that was 2019. <laughs> but, yeah, you've clearly had an interest in this. But how did this thing come about, man? Yeah, so, you know, I, I always liked dealing with the media throughout my career. And then when I was done, I got into it with, you know, the boys in Vancouver at Reach Deep. And um, yeah. Updog was still playing over in Switzerland. And then I was just talking to him about, you know, we saw the success that obviously Biz and Wittow was spitting chicklets. And, and, you know, we're on the West Coast. I said, why don't we try to do a West Coast kind of, you know, me and you podcast. And um, Uppy wasn't sure right away because his girlfriend was pregnant. But then he had his beautiful daughter. And, and we just started doing it. And we, it was going to start off being a playoff podcast last year with the return to play and then um some people started listening to it so we're having fun with it uh we got a great studio here in orange county hall pass media and uh like you said we had uh table salami who's an absolute beauty on last week and uh one of my favorite teammates ever yeah no the team stuff was great i listened to that podcast it was excellent and and he was really comfortable telling stories with you guys and, and i do think that there's a huge advantage that former players have when going through this right because I, I, you talk to a lot of guys off the record and they will tell you some of the best stories that you'll ever hear right like you guys have some of the best stuff and then you bring it to a microphone and you bring it here and you bring it with two guys who didn't play like us and it can be hard to get to those same spots because i think that guys maybe feel less comfortable doing that you're in the room maybe it starts to feel a little bit more like a locker room you guys start to feel a little bit more comfortable guys do tell stories like the stuff Timu was saying we've never heard him say anywhere else I really enjoyed it is this something that like you're cognizant of like part of the plan that you wanted to do this when you said media part of the stuff that you did look at with Chicklets because I, I do think that there is this huge advantage to getting players more comfortable in the in these spots yeah, it definitely helps. And, and, you know, the thing with Chicklets is, is they're so big now, they'll bring anyone yeah. on, right? And, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but me and Oppie, when we started out doing this, we, we really want to concentrate on guys that I played with or he played with or, or Broadway Jimmy Hayes played with because, you know, honestly, I don't know a lot of young guys in the league anymore, but, but the guys I did play with and the guys Oppie did play with, we, we just thought we'd get more out of it, more of a locker room feel. And that's what we were going for. It, it's worked out well. Um, you know, we got P.A. Pronto coming on today that played in Toronto and I played with in Colorado and in the minors, so um, we're having a lot of fun with it. It's starting to grow, and um, yeah, certain NHL guys, when they come out with their ex-teammates, they feel way more comfortable. Is it right or wrong? I'm not sure, but that's just kind of how it seems to play out. Yeah, we, uh, we've we had PA a couple of times, too. Great guy, great guest, but uh, ask him if he's still on Babcock Island, because like, the island seems to be a lot of people <laughs> jumping off, and I I'm not sure if he's still there going to be doing the defense. He you might not want to bring that one up. <laughs> yeah, well, I know he's stuck in Moncton, New Brunswick right now, so he hasn't left Moncton since COVID hit, so I'm, I'm sure he feels like he's stuck on Babcock Island right now. 
It's really not fair, Shane. If I'm going to be honest, it's not fair. Yeah, you're a former teammate of these guys. You get all the great stories, and you get to swear. Like, I'm, I'm not yeah, even kidding. That's fine. Like, this sounds like a joke, but, like, to actually talk like normal humans talk to each other, throw, like, not, not all the time, but pepper a couple in there. It's, it's I, I I dream every day that that one day whatever the the CRTC is is going to come down with the ruling that says it's okay to do it at eleven thirty eight in the afternoon on the East Coast. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and listen, it's a slippery slope though because once you know you can throw the f bombs. I mean, I listen to every podcast. I don't think Up Dog listens to everyone, but I listen to everyone trying to get better. And a lot of times I'm like, ooh, that was. That was like three f bombs in like one sentence. I got to tighten it up a little bit. So my, my mom, my mom listens to it. and I told her, I'm like, mom, I'm sorry. It's a locker room feel, but once yeah. the f bombs start flying, boys, it's sometimes hard to control. I know, I know. and uh, <laughs> I'm with Benny. It's people when they meet me, they usually say, "Wow, how do you not do that on the air?" Because I actually do cuss quite a bit. Uh, I don't know what it is. I think my brain just snaps into this one mode. In fact, you know, Ben, what, I know what he wants to say, which is that no, whenever not, he's in else. the car with his kids and I'm on speakerphone, he has to start every conversation with don't swear. And I think I'm over, right? Like, there's no, no way. Never, never gone through a conversation where I've, I've started with that disclaimer yeah. and you've not sworn. I will say, what I just, I actually had this conversation with my wife the other day. The pandemic, yeah, it, you know, we've been lucky, our family, uh, luckier than most with uh, our kids and, you know, taking care of them and having a little bit of time. But the biggest thing about spending so much time with my kids over the last year is I've gone long stretches of time where I can't swear. And I'm telling you, it is, it's like something's happening to me. Like I'm vibrating by the end of the day where I haven't been able to fully express myself. It's not good for me. Like I need that outlet. I hear you. I came home for, for Christmas for two weeks and I had a quarantine obviously because of COVID. I hadn't seen my family for a year and uh, my oldest nephew Porter's three now, and and listen, boys, I throw the f bomb around way too much. And and being around him, after a few days, I had to really like really try not to swear because my sister's like, hey, like he's starting, he's three years old, like he can he can say the f word if you keep hearing it. So I know what you're going through, and every time I run my nephew, I got to tighten it up a little bit. Dude, uh, that's the number one thing as someone who also doesn't have kids is that I see little kids and I think they're not going to know what I say and they won't pick up on anything I say. They're not sponges who will repeat every word that comes out of my mouth. I, I just look at them as I have no respect for the, what their intelligence level. I have no respect for their dialect, nothing. So I just speak freely around them. And then when people say, please don't swear around my kid, I'm like, ah, they don't know. They don't know. I speak from a place of knowledge, even though they're not my kids. And I I've spent no time around them. I also would love to see what the text messages are like from your mom because mine's the same way where she listens to all the shows and gives me the feedback. So yours is no swearing. What else? What what else is uh, mom giving you notes on for the pod? You know what? My mom, she's, she's one of those things that, you know, as I got older, she, she doesn't really tell me what she truly feels. She just said it sounded really good. So yeah. um, <laughs> swearing is the one thing. And then I, I, I warned her going in. I said, mom, listen. And then she knew from my reputation from hockey and, being single my whole career. She's not stupid. So I said, Mom, you're going to hear some stuff that, you know, maybe doesn't make you the proudest mom in the world, but it's all in good fun. We're just trying to make people laugh and don't take it too seriously. Yeah. You just lie to her. Be like, it's all made up. It's not, we're just yeah. liars. We're big exactly. liars making up big it's lies. All, <laughs> I never even scripted. fought people. It's all scripted, Mom. Yeah. Hey, we got to let them think that, Mom. You know, I was there. I was at church, and then I would go to bed, and that was it. <laughs> Rinse, repeat. Exactly. Church, hockey, exactly. bed. Church, hockey, bed. That was my life. So... We were just talking about the Sabres and how it's brutal. Like, Elliot Friedman just reported that there's potential that Jack Eichel is going to be out for a while. Uh, we've been doing this thing 
at the beginning of the year where you say, what is the most hopeless franchise? And we wonder if now the most hopeless hockey franchise is actually them. Like, are the Sabres the worst off team in the NHL, in, in your opinion? You know what? I, I think it's either them or maybe San Jose with all the big contracts San Jose yeah. has. But, but listen, I, lo- I love Buffalo. I, res- I respect the fans of Buffalo. I love Chippewa Street. I used to go there all the time when I played the Sabres. I'd go in the summertime and, and have a few pints and have a good – it's a great city. I thought the Taylor Hall signing was a bad signing. I know it's one year, $8 million, but I don't think he makes people better around him. And I've said this on, on the NHL Network power play, Steve Cools. I think they have to think about trading Jack Eichel. I love Ike. I don't think he wants to be there deep down. I know he was a second overall pick. I know he's a world-class player. But if you don't trade Jack Eichel, who are you going to trade? Jeff Skinner, who wants him? Taylor Hall? Now nah, you might get a pick for him. I mean, I really think they've got to consider trading Jack Eichel because I don't think deep down he wants to be there. And unfortunately, Sabres fans, you got to blow it up and start all over again. Yeah, I mean, they're miserable with him. So, yeah, might as well try and get uh, as much as you can for him. Uh, it's it's interesting to hear you say that about Taylor Hall. He was a point of conversation for us yesterday. I mean, the Leafs are going to seemingly add a top six forward here before the deadline. And that's kind of the argument J.D. was making about the guy, that he has not been a winner throughout his career. I wonder if you think it's different if you've got a core like the Maple Leafs are, like you've got a team that's already good if you put him in this environment. Or do you think that stuff still translates uh, when you bring him across the border if you try to add him to this Leafs team? Yeah. You know what? If, if I was Kyle Dubas, I'd be staying away from Taylor Hall. And it's not the first look against Taylor. I know him a little bit. Uh, I played against him. He, he was, you know, he's hard to contain. Obviously, we know his speed, his ability. He doesn't make people better around him. And I'm not saying it's easy to do that. But the, the star-star players have a quality of doing that. And for whatever reason, wherever he goes, it doesn't seem to work out. Uh, I love what Kyle did with bringing Jumbo in, Simmer, Bogosian. Uh, I think they have enough veteran guys there that they don't really need to add a Taylor Hall, and hopefully it works. But uh, that's why maybe I'm not a GM. No, but here's the thing, man. I, I like Ben alluded to. I'm in the same boat for those exact reasons. The case is is that there's there's a point, right, where you take a risk on a guy like that depending on what the trade is or what the asset is that you've got to give up or the player, whatever, what the deal actually looks like, how much money they would be willing to eat, all those different things. But my thing is just I'd rather them use whatever it is that they would like to, to put into a Taylor Hall trade into something else like a third-line center. Like if you're going to talk about what I'd rather have from Buffalo – I guess I maybe wouldn't rather have him from a talent standpoint, but Stahl is someone that I just think fits that mold a bit yeah. more. Is there a guy out there right now? We're getting close, dude. Like, I know it's still a month away, but the point has been made that with all the quarantine stuff that's going to happen, have to happen for guys to move across the border and the amount of games coming up, that we could see trades start to happen here way even earlier than we do in, in a normal season. Like, if you're looking at the Leafs and what they need right now, what do you think it is? You know what? You kind of took the words out of my mouth. The third-line center is where I was thinking. And Eric Stahl's great. And a guy that, that comes to mind for me, and I, and I grew up a big-time Leafs fan. Wendell Clark, Dougie Gilmore, those are my favorite players. I, I'm glad the Leafs are playing better. And I doubt this guy would, would wave his no move, but a guy like Ryan Getzlein, if they could fit it under the cap and all that nonsense, I think Getzlein would be a great fit there. You could put him in that third-line center role. He's great on face-offs. He kills penalties. He'll help your power play. Stanley Cup winner. Uh, in a perfect world, if they could add a Ryan Getzloff type of player, I think that'd be huge for the Leafs. Yeah, a friend of our show, Dave Bedini, actually texted me once um, that he liked that idea too. My only thing with him is I, I, we don't get to watch him now because all we're doing is watching the North Division. How much does he have left in the tank? You know what? He, he's 
he's obviously not the Ryan Getzler of all that I watch him on a nightly basis out here. But also, you know, the way they play in a rebuild, all these young guys going 100 miles an hour. And, and you know, Getzler, if you could put him in the right situation on a team like the Leafs, with, yeah, they got tons of speed, but they can play it, you know, the, the veteran way too. They got Simmons, they got Jumbo, they got Spezza. You know, he can slot in there and help their veteran, veteran presence. And like I said, he's still great in the faceoff circle. He'll kill penalties, he'll block shots, and he also can still work the power play. Talking to Shane O'Brien, a former NHL defenseman and co-host of uh, Missing Curfew podcast with Scotty Upshaw and Jimmy Hayes. You said it, man. You're, you're a hockey nut. You're watching hockey all the time, sitting on your couch, getting people by your house, sitting on your couch and watching hockey with you. Um, this is the conversation that's been happening basically surrounding the Leafs since the word go, since they started off as hot as they've been, that it's a North Division creation, that this is not a team that's in the same echelon as a Vegas, as a Tampa. You watch all the teams, man. You you know the league. How real is that conversation? Or is it or is this is it not a legitimate criticism of this Leafs team? You know what? I really thought it was. So I call the North Division the cookie division, right? Everyone up there is getting their points and it's it's a track meet and it's fun to watch, but you know, come playoff time I was like, ah, I don't know if the North will be, you know, can really beat Boston or Washington or, or whoever it will be. But then, you know, the Leafs went into Edmonton and Edmonton had won 12 or 14 and they went in there and beat them three straight, three straight, shut them out twice, got a shutout with Michael Hutchinson in that. The way they played defense those three games, I was like, if they feel like that in the playoffs, they can beat anyone. So the, those three games really opened my eyes. Bogosian played great. Brody was shutting down uh, McDavid. Uh, if they could play that style of shutdown hockey with the offense we all know they have, I mean, they could beat anyone. Yeah, I, I think that's that's something that got overlooked a little. Is they beat Edmonton, and everyone said those were great games. But then the conversation was more the division stinks, and there was really no credit given to Edmonton. That it was like, no, okay, well, I guess they're exposed as frauds more than the Leafs are good. And and I did think that the conversation was kind of strange that it went like purely that way. Yeah, I, and I mean, I get it, but. If you can shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl for, for three consecutive games the way the Leafs did, I don't care what the division is, where you're playing it. Um, I mean, those guys are so electric, as we know. I mean, you can shut down anyone in a seven-game series if you play that way and play that tight defense. And the way they were back-checking and tracking pucks and playing responsible, i got to be honest, I've, I've never seen the Leafs really play that way in the last three years. And it was, you know, as a Leafs fan, it was fun to watch. So, again, the podcast has been a big success so far. I'm looking forward to more episodes of guys you've played with. Specifically, the ones I want are Sean Thornton and, of course, Chris Pronger. Because Chris Pronger's good in media already, and if you can get him kind of telling stories on your guys' platform, I I think that would be... Uh, rather enjoyable for me. Again, not to bring everything back to Babcock, but he made it pretty clear how he felt about him on our show, so I would like to hear him where he can swear. Yeah, you know what? We, we, had, we had Chris Pronger on, and um, unfortunately we're going through some, some contract stuff with, with Action Park Media where we first started out with, with Kevin Connolly, and um, they've taken down 25 of our episodes, and one of those is Chris Pronger. So hopefully we can get that back up. But Sean Thornton, he's coming on 100%. Thornton was an absolute beast and, and one of the funniest guys me and Oppie ever played with. Can't wait for that. Uh, Shane, yeah, congrats on the success of the podcast. Looks great, sounds great. Thanks for doing this, pal. Cheers, buddy. Good luck. I appreciate it, boys. Thanks for having me, boys. All right, there's uh, Shane O'Brien, former NHL defenseman. The uh, podcast is missing curfew, and it's great. 
and it's unfair because he can swear and he can get the best out of these former NHLers with the stories. So just last point on that. We were guilty of it too, and especially me. And I and I do still feel this way, that the North Division is not very good. But I still stand by Edmonton in any division right now is in a playoff spot. Correct. Right? Okay. So Yeah, that's not yeah. outlandish. Remember, right. it's four teams in all of these divisions get in. Yeah. Yes, there's one fewer in this division, but yeah, mm-hmm. they're a top four team. Right. But the Leafs swept a team that should be in the playoffs in any division. They swept them and they dominated them. And our show did it as well. But the conversation was, what is this division? How bad is this division? How much of a test are these guys getting? Is there complacency? Is there blah, blah, blah? You go on down the line. And I think in the moment, I've just looked at it a little differently than I do remove the week, which is that same thing that Shane brought up. That, hey, those were really, 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 really good wins. And Edmonton is way better than we treated them. We talked about beating Edmonton three straight like it was the Ottawa Senators or the Vancouver Canucks. And that, that ain't it. Well, even the questions that were asked, and, like, we played the clip of Leon Dreisaitl. It's like, why did you mm-hmm. guys stink? Like, doesn't it feel bad to stink? It's like, yeah, obviously mm-hmm. part of it's on them, and if you are an elite, yep. elite player like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, it doesn't matter who you play against. You should be able to at least impact mm-hmm. one of three games, you would think. But part of it was, yeah, even in those conversations we were having where, hey, listen, I love schadenfreude more than, more than the next person. But that, yeah, it's it's not just that it's funny to laugh at the Oilers and all their first overall picks. It's that they got shut down by a team that's already been in the mix in one of the toughest divisions in the NHL that got better and has been better and has veteran leadership that they didn't have before. That was fun. And again, Shane's podcast is good. So is this one. I also really like guys who agree with me, and he agreed with me on Taylor Hall. So that makes me like the guy even more. Yeah, unprompted agreement. Perfect. Love it, love it, love it. If you like this podcast, as we always say, you can subscribe on, on iTunes. You can follow on Spotify. I don't really know anything about Google Play, but I know that you can listen to it there as well. Um, if, you have an if you like it, if you like it, we ask and you listen on iTunes that, you subscribe and that you review it and if you share it that's an added bonus too we always appreciate it but um yeah some really nice reviews as of late and some really good stuff from the podcast so again very very nice and if you haven't done it you're not nice you're mean you're a mean person okay all right um (laughs) don't be mean we'll talk to you tomorrow bye-bye